Welcome to Radiologist, a podcast by University Medical Imaging Toronto, where we discuss the most important topics through the lens of Canada's largest medical imaging department. I'm your host Satish Krishna, and today our guest is Dr. Eric Bartlett. Dr. Eric Bartlett is an associate professor, staff neuroradiologist within the head and neck section of the Joint Department of Medical Imaging, the largest academic medical imaging department in Canada, and uh, he is the lead for JDMI Education. Today we are going to ask him about education in general, what it means to be a great teacher. How do you inspire the next generation of trainees and how he plans on revolutionizing education and medical imaging. Welcome, Dr. Bartlett. We are very pleased to have you here. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. All right, let's just dive right into it. So, education in the ancient times had been passed on by word of mouth because education involves concepts. However, education in medical imaging, I find that it is fundamentally different. So they usually say that a picture speaks a thousand words. Now, how does that translate into education? Does it make education more difficult or more easy? Because it might be more difficult because you are trying to explain what is seen on the picture to the trainees and you might need thousand words to explain what's on the image or the other way around, you can just show the image and then, you know, that saves you from speaking those thousand words. So what are, you, what are your thoughts about education and medical imaging in general? Do you think that it is fundamentally more easier or more difficult than medical education in other fields? One of the challenges with learning medical education, which no one really talks about, especially at the level of uh, the radiology resident who is undergoing this exact process, uh, something that I used to talk about to all of the residents when I had a position as the radiology resident um, program director. What most people don't realize when they start uh, a training in medical imaging or radiology residency, um, the way that they've learned before, the way that they've studied before, all has to change. Um, and this is because medical imaging is obviously focused around images. However, much of medical education in medical imaging is in textbooks or in write-ups online um, and with few images. And if you get an image, it's a single image, which may not be in any sort of context uh, and may not be the most common presentation of a specific uh, disorder or disease. Does a picture say a thousand words? Yes. But you got to figure out what those words are. In order to do that, you need to be able to translate the visual data into meaning. And that takes a different type of intelligence than what we've used, or at least most of us have used throughout our education. It takes a visual and a perceptive intelligence, uh, which is unique to how we do our jobs as radiologists, but is not something that normally we've been tested on 
throughout our education. The education in radiology is special because it involves uh, another extra sense. Albert Einstein famously said that the value of college education is not learning of many facts, but just training the mind how to think. But in addition to training the mind how to think, in medical imaging, you're also training the eye how to see, which is very counterintuitive. Speak about somebody who's finished the medical education and then you come and teach them how to see. That is a pretty big challenge. And speaking of challenges, uh, you took over the position of uh, residency program director. What made you take this up in the first place? So, in one word, I think insanity might have been what drove me to take that position. For other people who have been program directors before, I think they'll also understand that. Being a program director is more than just uh, creating schedules. It's more than just um, proctoring exams. It's more than just uh, an admissions process and uh, getting through an accreditation at the university level. Being a program director uh, puts you in a position where uh, you are the primary mentor. Part of that, as we just mentioned in terms of learning, is teaching them how to learn different so that they can be successful radiologists. But when you become a resident, you are part of the service uh, industry of radiology, and you have to learn how to do that. You also have to learn how to respond to the demands that are present in the service environment whilst still learning those things oftentimes compete, uh, and sometimes when things go um, a bit off the rails in a person's residency, it's because of that competition. If you're going to be an educator, part of being an educator is about sharing, sharing the things that you know. I want to make learning easier for people who are coming behind me so that they don't have to go through this same long voyage of discovery in learning some things which they need to know now. Education innovation has become a hobby of mine of sorts uh, when it comes to learning new ways of uh, trying to advance the way we teach medical imaging or radiology. Uh, so going beyond the PowerPoint, going beyond uh, the single labeled image um, and a few paragraphs about its diagnosis. What you want to do is make the voice, make the journey easier for the successive generations. You know, the common saying goes that behind every successful man, there's a woman. But I actually think that the saying is that behind every successful person, there is a great mentor or there's a great teacher. We have uh, Plato, one of the biggest minds of, uh, you know, humankind. And he had a great mentor, Socrates, before him. And Plato paved way to Aristotle. And Aristotle was the mentor to Alexander the Great. So it shows how every successive generation can be better than the previous generation overall, and it's just polishing diamonds. So uh, what have you pushed forward when you were a program director? And uh, what is this recent competency by design? Well, competency by design is the way the Royal College of Canada describes competency-based medical education, which I think is an evolution of the way we've been teaching. And competency by design or competency-based medical education is just the same thing. It's an evolution of trying to figure out how we can standardize education across large systems so that uh, we are making progress and that we are more assured 
of success from all members. One of the main tenets of competency-based medical education is proving that you understand a concept or proving that you're able to do a type of procedure or type of interview, you know, depending upon obviously the nature of the ask. Much of our education, certainly much of my education in radiology was very passive. Uh, you know, I read textbooks. Um, I was in training before the internet. Um, so when I was asked a question at the uh, viewer board, this of course was before PAX, um, if I didn't know the answer, my mind was thinking about the radiology library, which was in our department. I was thinking about which row in the radiology stacks I would find the book, which you know I was thinking about, and where in that book I actually would find the answer. Um, it's not very, not very convenient, you know. Uh, that took a long time. I remember the first time um, where somebody looked at Google for an answer to something. And this was in my last year of residency. This was uh, 1997, 98. And uh, we had some medical students rotating with us. I was asked a question. I didn't know it. Of course, I was thinking about um, where in the library I would find the answer. And the medical student, uh, who was obviously very bright and wanting to impress um, said, well, I'll just Google it. And I thought, what is Google going to do for you? What do I do now when I'm thinking about uh, finding an answer or verifying something that I need to verify? I, I, of course, Google it. And in order to have a successful educational program, you also have to evolve. So CompC-based medical education is just another step in that journey, um, which utilizes all of the advantages we have with technology and with over time, as we're, we're learning more about learning, um, to help ensure that, number one, a, a trainee, a resident, or whoever they may be, um, has actually had the opportunity to experience what they need to experience, or they've thought about what they need to think about in order to successfully complete a program. It also um, uh, asks the trainee to prove that they understand a concept or they understand how to do a procedure, um, so it becomes an active pursuit. Eric, I still remember those days when I had to go to the library. I still remember one of my professors was telling me, and, and I forget what exactly it is, could have been encapsulating peritoneal sclerosis, but he said that there's a very good article in Radiology 1992, why don't you go and look it up? So I had to go to the library, pull every single issue of radiology from that year, and each of them was in a different area, of course, and had to go through each of the abstracts, and none of them was on that particular topic. So then I thought, okay, maybe he made a mistake. So why don't we go to 1991, 1990, 1993, 1994? And after spending a few hours, I couldn't find out a single one. So the next day, I go back to him and I tell him that, hey, I didn't really find anything. He's like, oh, might have probably been an American Journal of Rangeonology or AJR. So that was how uh, education used to be. And I kind of remember those days, particularly transformed to Googling everything. What are your thoughts on this change overall? Uh, especially with the pandemic, a lot of things have been altered because previously we needed to go to a conference. We needed to seek education and there was at least an active component to it. We needed to go to the library. You needed to put in an effort to get that education. And the reward for that effort was always sweet. You never forgot 
what you were seeking. But now because everything is available in your fingertips and with pandemic, you have these conferences which are available in a virtual platform nowadays. And most conferences are are hybrid or virtual these days in which it is easily accessible. Do you think that easy access to education translates to better education? Uh, what do you think the future is going to be? I think it's going to come back to in-person training or is it going to stay virtual or is it going to be a blend of both? I think that conferences obviously have changed. I think there will be some things that are best done in a virtual format and some things that are best done in person. You know, the advantage to having an in-person conference is um, more than just education. It's it's There's a huge social component. Uh, however, the virtual format has the advantage of um, uh, being available on demand. It also uh, will be cheaper. There'll be no travel involved. And it satisfies some of the basic requirements of education. There will be a new version, which will be a hybrid of, the, of both. In the last century, when I was a radiology resident, the problem was not enough in terms of resources. Uh, and the resources we have were very dense. They were very they were textbooks, view, few, very few images, uh, mostly tech. Um, it was difficult to have access to cases, and the cases that we had were uh, actually films, and they were in jackets. There, it was was not portable, as you can imagine. Um, so I remember early on in my training being frustrated that uh, I didn't have enough appropriate resources to get the job done, to learn radiology. Uh, fast forward to when I was a program director here at the University of Toronto. That was starting in 2013 through 2020. So I had to lead the program through the beginning of the pandemic. Um, all of a sudden, we had too many resources and I, I remember many times talking to a resident who was struggling, and, and I asked, you know, how did you study? And they were studying from, you know, 15 different resources. And I said, you know, you really need to focus on a single resource right now uh, to get started. That resource needs to be image intensive, and you need to be able to get through a lot of volume. Having too many resources is just like having none at all. Uh, you lose focus or you, you don't know what to concentrate on. Uh, there is this famous saying, right? I hear, I forget, I see, I remember, but I do, I understand. So I think that radiology education, as you were mentioning, the competency-based uh, medical education is also moving in that direction in which uh, they quantify what you actually do. But in many ways, you've been a pioneer to that. Even before CBME, you developed your own uh, workshop or the simulator, which was the emergency radiology simulator. And uh, if I understand correctly, you got a you got an RSNA grant, which is a, a highly acclaimed grant, very difficult to come by. It's just given to the best proposals across North America, and you secured the grant and developed the uh, ER simulator. Uh, can you tell more about what drove that idea and how it has been successfully implemented? We developed the emergency radiology simulator. The first simulator was in 2015, and it was in response to some of the pressures I had as a program director in radiology in the radiology residency program. One of the greatest challenges that a young resident in radiology has is learning how to do call. Um, it's a lot of stress. 
Um, basically, they are often the only ones who are in person, in the hospital, and making decisions. Some of those decisions will be acted on, even though they might, uh, you know, they're all flagged as being preliminary diagnoses. The question I always had was, how do I know if a resident is ready for that challenge? Um, and at the time, we didn't have any way of answering that question. So the emergency radiology simulator was a way to answer one of the biggest questions that all program directors have in uh, radiology residency programs. Are my residents ready to be alone in the hospital, even though there is a whole team behind them, needs to know when to activate them. Uh, so the resident needs to know what they know, what they don't know, and what they need help on. So the ER sim was uh, an effort to try to answer those questions. So the first version of the uh, ER sim uh, seems very rudimentary these days, uh, but um, I was determined to have real cases on the examination as if uh, it was a true high-fidelity simulation of an ER shift. In order to do that at the time, I uh, took um, videos of cases uh, and then put them onto Vimeo, plugged Vimeo in as if it were uh, a PAX viewer and told residents to pause the video and then fast forward using the arrow up and arrow down buttons on the keyboard in order to simulate a DICOM viewer. Uh, it was somewhat successful. The first year was a bit difficult because it was a new uh, assessment for the residents. Um, uh, to say they didn't like the idea of a new assessment is an understatement. So, um, uh, and I wanted everybody to experience it. And so it was the PGY2s who I was most concerned about because they're the ones who are going to be starting call. Uh, but I wanted to have an idea of how good this uh, assess assessment was. And so um, I had all the other classes through PGY-5 also sit the examination, um, which, uh, of course, they weren't very pleased about. Um, but something happened that I wasn't expecting during the exam. And uh, the PGY-2 residents were, were stressed from the beginning to the end, but most everyone else who had some experience uh, started having a different response than I anticipated in an assessment. And some of the feedback that I got afterwards was that it really felt like they were able to prove the knowledge they had, which was unlike most assessments we have in training. From that point, um, you know, we were able to develop the ER sim further. We've had, we're currently on I would say the third or fourth generation of it. We now have a DICOM viewer that's plugged into the simulation, and so it runs just like any DICOM viewer, um, and it's it's seamless. Uh, people who are taking the the uh, simulation will type in their responses. Uh, there will get pages throughout the exam, which will interrupt their workflow. They will have to respond to the pages. The RSNA project um, allowed us to roll out the ER sim. In, with the DICOM format uh, in 10 universities across Canada, two universities uh, in the U.S. COVID, uh, COVID not only has changed the way that we are doing conferences or will do conferences in the future, but it's also changed the way that we've delivered education uh, in the residency. So 
my last year of being a program director for our, our radiology residency program was in 2020, uh, and that was the first nine months of the pandemic. Um, so immediately, we were faced with how do we continue to educate our trainees, especially our new radiology residents who needed to have the foundations curriculum. And the foundations curriculum we had previously converted to a more active format where we had cases on um, uh, our choral system here at JDMI, and the residents would come into our education center and they would engage with cases on choral. Um, Luckily, we were able to transfer these cases onto our online DICOM viewer that we use for the ER sim, and we were able to uh, roll out the foundations curriculum in 2020 uh, to the PGY2 residents who were uh, at home, engaging in full courses, and uh, having a similar, although different, experience with their colleagues uh, learning radiology. In a way, Eric, what you say you've done is you've managed to gamify education. And I think that's a mark of a great teacher to make education more enjoyable, more fun, rather than it being dry. And that's absolutely amazing. And uh, the success of the ER simulator that it's being used across multiple universities not only in Canada, but across North America, uh, speaks highly of what a great initiative it was. What is it I hear of now that you're working on something new called the Radicate? So Radicate is a project uh, to take some of the principles that we've been talking about and apply them to the entire department at JDMI. So not just the radiologists, uh, and the trainees in radiology, but the technologists, the clerical, everybody who is part of JDMI. Um, and when it comes to technologists and uh, the radiology trainees, we all need the same thing, is access to real cases. We're getting ready to roll out uh, within our department, uh, but it's also a public-facing uh, site as well. And uh, things like the Emergency Radiology Simulator are on Radicate, our Foundations Curriculum, which is all online and with full DICOM series, will be um, available. Um, it'll be available for free, obviously, for everyone in JDMI uh, and under a small paywall for people outside of JDMI to help us offset the uh, the costs of the licensing for our DICOM viewer and some of the other tools that we need. Oh, that sounds exciting about Radicate. So can't wait to uh, have the first look in a few months when it's uh, ready to roll out. Uh, so to wrap up, Eric, to be a teacher is really rewarding. To see the trainees come in raw and then you polish them and then leave out as fully accomplished individuals. And in many cases, they go on to surpass us. It's an incredibly rewarding uh, experience by itself. What would your one advice be to trainees when they come in as trainees in medical imaging? And secondly, what are the challenges which a new staff might face in education when they begin a new career as an academic radiologist? So for new radiology residents, uh, my advice is to be active in your education. Engage more at the PAX workstation. 
Um, be curious, ask questions. Um, and it's not just ask questioning, asking questions to, uh, your staff. It's asking questions to yourself. You know, why is something this way? Why do we say it this way? What does it mean when we use certain words? You know, so being active and having curiosity, I think, are basically the two main things to any sort of educational pursuit. The advice again to, uh, new faculty in radiology, be active, uh, seek out opportunities to, to teach, uh, seek out new ways to teach, maintain curiosity, which leads to new ways of teaching, better ways of teaching, and new innovations. For a good teacher, one of the ways to make sure that they are a good teacher is to be a lifelong student. So for trainees, be good teachers, start teaching all your other trainees. And for staff, just be a lifelong learner and uh, you do amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Dr. Eric Bartlett, lead of JDMI Education Associate Professor at the University of Toronto. Education, the word, its Latin root essentially means to draw out. Education brings out knowledge that students didn't even know that they had. That is the basis of the Socratic method. Students have a wealth of knowledge and by questioning them about it carefully, they can answer their own questions. But the mark of a great teacher is not just education, it's not just to draw out, but rather is inspiration. And the Latin root means to breathe into. In addition to drawing out what they already had, it is to breathe into students this passion and this curiosity. You were listening to Radiologists, a podcast by University Medical Imaging Toronto, the largest medical imaging group in Canada. Produced by Inna Levchuk. Learn more about us at universitymedicalimagingtoronto.ca and follow us on social media at Imaging Toronto. Thank you, everybody. See you in the next one.